just before we start the show, I want to take an opportunity to invite you to join me for the Podfluence Weekly Newsletter, which is available both on LinkedIn and through the official newsletter channel. Now, if you are on LinkedIn and it's easier for you to follow there, then please just click on the link in the show notes, which will take you straight to Podfluence on LinkedIn, where you can subscribe for free and get weekly updates on Podfluence articles as well as episodes. If you would like to subscribe to the full newsletter where you'll get additional materials and, as my little incentive to you, my pre-podcast guest checklist for you to use when you're appearing on podcast shows so that you can be fully prepared every single time, then please click the link to the official newsletter in the show notes. Hope to see you there. Let's get on with the show. Welcome to Speaking of Influence with John Ball from presentinfluence.com. Each week, we talk about presentation skills and public speaking and the tools of influence and persuasion with experts and incredible guests. Stay tuned and enjoy the show. Speaking of Influence is uploaded and distributed to all major podcast networks through Buzzsprout, Buzzsprout is the simplest way to get your podcast started with tons of great resources for new podcasters. You could start your podcast today. Follow the link in the show notes. You've said that each story really is only five seconds long. Yes, I really believe that. Uh, I think that when we, those moments of transformation and realization, they happen almost instantaneously. There is a long period of time where you think one thing, And then suddenly you think something new. It is not a gradual process. It's not a, I kind of think it, I kind of think it, I kind of think it, I think it. It really is a, oh my gosh, I can't believe it. I never realized that, right? That's essentially a story. Or you suddenly look at yourself and you realize, wow, I used to be like that kind of person. Look at me right now. I'm this kind of person. I do believe they happen instantaneously or as close to instantaneously as possible. Yeah. Uh, it's really a, a pure essence of that's what you need to build everything else around, that, those five seconds. Yeah. Yes, well, every story that I've ever told and every story I think people should tell, you essentially should begin at the end of the story. You should begin with the fundamental change that you suddenly experienced. Otherwise, you don't have a story. Otherwise, you're just telling story about stuff that happened over time. So every story I tell begins with, oh, that was a moment for me right? Sometimes I can't even define what it is. There are moments in my life where I think I just had a moment. I have no idea what it means. It might take me years to figure out what it actually meant. Oftentimes my wife has to tell me what it meant. You know, I say like, I know it meant something, honey, but what did it mean? And she says, you're such an idiot. This is what it meant. And I go, oh God, you're right. That is what it meant. But I'm looking for a moment. And once I have a moment, it's always going to be the end of my story because it's the most important thing I'm going to say. And everything that I'm going to say about that moment should inform that moment and, and nothing more. Yeah. Do you feel then that storytelling has been for you and, and can be for many people a way of doing therapy on yourself? Yes. Uh, I don't think it's therapy if you come to my workshop hoping that you will get therapy by working with me, but people have stopped therapy and started taking workshops with me and I don't advise it. But I am 100% convinced that, uh, if you become a storyteller and you, you approach the craft seriously, you will fundamentally become a better human being for yourself. You know, I, I say that storytellers are oftentimes the most selfish people. 
or the most self-centered people because we spend enormous amounts of time thinking about ourselves and why we are who we are and why we do the things that we do. Those are the best storytellers in the world. I was in the New York City Public Library last year doing a talk on storytelling. And this woman raised her hand and she said, I just have no stories. I have nothing. And I said to her, I said, are you the kind of person who like cares for an elderly relative and volunteers at a, at a homeless shelter on the weekend and you, you foster three cats and you're, you know, you're donating all your, your extra time to some Read Across America program? And her friend who was sitting next to her said, that's exactly who she is. And I said, so your problem is not that you don't have stories. The problem is that you have no time or inclination to look inward. You are constantly looking outward into the world. So you have stories, you're just blowing past them because you're focused on everyone else. And so what I often tell people, and it's what causes people to cry most often in my workshops, I say, I'm giving you permission to think about yourself for a long period of time. Just give yourself the time to think about your own life and what you feel and what you think. And oftentimes people cry. The people who have spent no time thinking about themselves. Oftentimes the mothers of three children, uh, you know, the, the, the woman who is taking care of her parents and taking care of her, her husband's parents and taking care of her own kids, those kinds of people. The, the father who's working three jobs to hold things together. Those are the people who have brilliant stories but just don't have time to think about themselves. Right. And in your book, that, that's an interesting thing because in your book, you said like you have some very big experiences that the, this is going to hurt story being one example of that, <laughs> but, but also some of your stories are just about kind of small life events where it was impactful and, and some of them even just some of the most impactful stories that I've heard. So it doesn't mean that you have to have big life events to talk about in your stories or the su super important things. It is more or less those moments of transformation and realization, yeah? Yeah, the small ones are the best ones, in fact. You know, the, the big stories, the crazy things that have happened to me in my life, they're the hardest stories to tell because it is really hard to connect with people on a, you know, dying and coming back to life level, you know, which has oddly happened to me twice or the time I was homeless or the time I was in jail. Those are moments that are not easy to tell to people because they're hard to make relatable. So I would much rather tell a tiny story about a little moment I had with my wife or my kids or a woman in the, in the line at the grocery store when she made me see the world in a slightly different way. Cause those are moments we all experience all the time. So, you know, I was on trial for a crime I didn't commit. I was arrested and tried and could have gone to prison for five years. And I've never told the story of that trial. And my storytelling friends think I'm crazy. They're like, that would be our first our number one, our best story. And, you know, part of me not telling it is it's going to be a harder story to craft. So I'm a little lazy, but mostly it's the idea that it's hard to get people to understand what it is like to be 21 years old, having, you know, been arrested and tried for a crime you did not commit. I'm going to have to find a way to connect to an audience. Whereas, you know, the other night, my wife and I were folding clothes here at at this table I'm sitting at, our washing machine broke. So we had five days without a washing machine. So we had more laundry than we'd ever seen before. So for the first time in forever, we were folding clothes together. And I was folding my daughter's pants and I was folding it in quarters. And my wife said, no, you're supposed to fold them in thirds. And I had the thought that there is no way to properly fold pants. This is a personal decision. Who, who do you think you are? Like, Quarters is just as good as thirds. 
what the hell is wrong with you? That was the thought that went through my mind. Then I thought to myself, and yet I'm not going to say anything because this is not a hill I'm going to die on because this is not important to me. And I had a moment. Now, I don't know if it's really worth the stage, but I realized, you know what, 13 years ago when we got married, I used to go to war on this stuff all the time. You know, I remember the time when we debated when we moved in whether we were going to put toothbrushes in a cup or we were going to install a toothbrush holder. And I was convinced that the holder was the way to go, that a cup was unsanitary. And I lost that battle and I lost that war because for two days she was mad at me about it, right? And I thought, okay, 13 years later, I have learned. I have become a different human being. I had a moment of realization, right? Folding clothes with my wife. I don't know if that's a moment worth telling on stage, but that's the kind of moments I look for because I think that people can relate to, right? Right. That'll be easier to tell. And it will be very entertaining if I do it right. Whereas the trial story, oh, that's like lifting cement blocks, you know, to try to get people to understand what that's like. I want to tell it. And eventually one day I will. But I just think I'd probably tell the, the folding the pants story before I'd tell the trial story. And I just have a million folding the pants stories. Even just you telling it there is, uh, well, yeah, that I fold clothes the same way you do. And uh, I have the similar, I've had similar comments from my husband that I don't do it the way Marie Kondo says you're supposed to do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. And who the hell is she anyway? I mean, what does she know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, she, she has a few good books uh, and I like some of the stuff. But, uh, but yeah. yeah, I don't think I'm ever going to really care about folding laundry enough to, uh, right. to do it that particular way. One thing that uh, is very important to come to, uh, I've, I've done several courses on storytelling and, uh, and read a number of books on it as well. And I don't think I've ever been quite as impacted, as good as they've been. Your book gives the biggest secrets of storytelling away. And there's even a bit in the book where you say one of your fellow storytellers says, don't you dare tell all our secrets. Aaron. Have you, have you <laughs> had any pushback from giving away so much? No, I've had people, many people tell me you're making a terrible mistake because, you know, I'm a competitive storyteller, you know, and I don't need to be at this point. You know, most of my friends I've watched, I go to the moth in New York and I've watched the sort of the groups migrate on, you know, when I started telling stories, I can think about the people who used to be great and they've moved on, you know, they have their own shows, they get paid to perform. They would never just sort of go downtown, drop a name in a hat and hope to get pulled and get five minutes to be judged and assigned a number. For me, that sounds like the greatest thing that could ever happen to me. So people have told me you're crazy to give this away because the competition is going to be increased and you're not going to win as often. But I genuinely, well, first of all, I genuinely believe that, you know, that arrogance, narcissism and stupidity, I'll still be better than them because I'm still finding new tricks. Yesterday or last night, I was teaching a workshop and I found a new trick. I found a new strategy. It was truthfully a strategy I've been using all my life. I didn't realize I was using it. Now I can maximize it and weaponize it and, and, and move it forward. And then eventually put it in my new book, actually. So I'm always like studying storytelling in a way that I don't think most people are. My wife says, I talk about storytelling like I'm a fossil hunter, like all the secrets already exist. And I just go and I dig them out and then and find them because I'll come to my wife and say, I found a new one. I found a new strategy. And she says, it's, it's like you, it's like you're not, she said, you don't think you invent them. It's like they already exist and you think you're finding them. And I said, yeah, that's kind of how I feel. So I don't worry about that. Um, you know, but I genuinely want the world to be filled with better stories because I think most of the stories people tell are kind of miserable. And so if I can put some stuff out into the world and it can make them better storytellers, I think, especially in the world right now, frankly, 
if we could get a little more authenticity and vulnerability from human beings instead of what people seem to think, which is, you know, a lot of bravado and a lot of lies <laughs> and a lot of, um, you know, a lot of braggadocio and a lot of self-praise. Like these are things that for some reason have value in our society and they should not. So if I can put some, some better storytelling into the world, I'm willing to give away my secrets for that. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I think storytelling is, is real heart and that's what we need to put out into the world. That's the stuff that people connect with. We are stories really, and it's uh, maybe a cliche, but I think it's, it's a true one. Like historically, storytelling is how we've passed on information and we remember stuff more when it's in a story as well. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you know, a well-told story can be told 20 years from now, you know, almost verbatim, you know, and same thing with movies, you know, there's a reason why, there's a reason my, my wife has watched Pretty Woman 10 times in her life. And yet no one has ever asked to see a PowerPoint for a second time, right? No one's ever said, wow, that was a really great deck. Can you show me that deck again? Never. Right. But movies, you know, just the other night I was sitting on the couch, whatever we were watching ended and the Terminator came on, you know, halfway through the Terminator. And my wife said, what is this? And I said, it's the Terminator. He's about to go into the police station and it's a great scene. I want to stay and watch it. Now I know it. I already know everything that's going to happen, but it's a story. And because it's a story, I'm willing to watch that scene again because it's great. So that's one of the stories you are happy to watch over and over again. Yeah, I mean, I kind of hate, I kind of hate watching things twice unless I'm analyzing them because I know there's so much content in the world that I want to consume. Uh, but I can't help it. I'm the same way as other people. You know, there's just, there's movies if they're on and I happen to flip by them, I'll say, oh, I'm going to stay, I'm going to spend some time here. Now, admittedly, it is, it's almost like work for me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's almost, um, it, it's almost a way of making my craft better and watching these things. And so there is some value to that. And my wife has started to see a little bit of that too. You know, there's moments when she'll pause a movie and go, oh, that thing that you talk about, that's happening right now. I said, yes, it is. Good job. You know. You share in the book and in your YouTube channel as well something that I have found very powerful myself and have been implementing. And you are the proud creator and proponent of Homework for Life. Oh, yes. Can you tell, <laughs> tell, tell the audience a little bit about Homework for Life? Sure. Uh, whether you're going to be a storyteller or not, you should be doing Homework for Life. It will change your life, even if you never plan on speaking. Uh, it is going to be something that's valuable to you. It, for me, it was an attempt to find more stories. As the list of potential stories that I could tell began to shrink, I started to panic. I didn't want to be one of those storytellers who rolled out the same 12 chestnuts, you know, every, every night, which those people exist. I wanted a brand new story every single time. So I gave myself a homework assignment. Being an elementary school teacher, it felt right. So uh, it's simple. All I do is at the end of every day, although now it's during the day as well, I ask myself a simple question, essentially, essentially, uh, what is the most story worthy moment of my day? If you forced me to stand on a stage and tell a story about something that has happened today, even if nothing has happened that is actually worth speaking of, what would be the thing I'd choose? What would be the most story worthy of all the unstory worthy moments of my day? And then I write that moment down. I don't write down the whole thing because that's crazy. You know, those are journalers. Those are people who tend to write a lot when people dump them and tend not to write a lot when they're in love, you know. I like to create habits. 
I like to create simple things that are repeatable constantly. So I use an Excel spreadsheet. It's two columns. It's a date on one side. And then I stretch the B column across the screen. And in that B column, I write the story. Just enough to recapture the moment that has happened, even if the moment isn't even worth recapturing. And my goal was to find one new story every month. Then I'd have 12 new stories by the end of the year. Instead, what I discovered over the course of time is that my life is filled with stories. That moment's like folding the pants, right? That is a moment. It's a moment that might be story worthy someday. It probably is. If I'm not a storyteller, I have that moment. I realize, oh gosh, I'm very different than when I was 13 years ago. And I allow the moment to be gone forever. It passes. I forget it. That's how people treat their lives. That's how I used to treat my life. Things happened. I noticed things. I realized things. I witnessed things. In the moment, maybe I recognize their import. Oftentimes I didn't. And then I just tossed them away like they're trash, which is why when you ask someone Tell me all the things that you can remember when you were 26. The 26th year of your life, tell me all the things you can remember. Most people can't remember a damn thing. They lose entire years of their lives because they don't take a moment to reflect and to record things so that they can go back and, and remember and, and enjoy. And so through that process, I have developed sort of a lens for storytelling where I see stories throughout my life constantly. And I'm not the only one, thousands and thousands of people no exaggeration. Every day I get at least one email from someone telling me I've started homework for life. I've done a hundred days and in some fashion or some degree, it's changed my life. Yeah. It changes the way you look at your life. It changes the way you feel about your life and you find all of those little moments. They suddenly are so precious to you and they become the stories that you tell. It's the, the examined life, right? It really is. The other thing that happens as you crack open and all the memories that you've thrown away, the ones that you've forgotten, as you start to examine your life and as you start to record them, the memories suddenly return. You have a moment with your child and it's a beautiful moment and suddenly you remember a moment similar when you were a child and that memory returns to you or, or it, it's just like a, a wellspring of memories that appear and that has been so wonderful for me because I've filled in all these gaps with stories that have been coming back to me. That, that was one of the things I was going to say, actually, for when I started Homework for Life, that I found in a very short space of time, I was remembering all sorts of things that I hadn't thought about for years. And all these stories and experiences started coming back to me just from doing that, which I found incredible. It was like memory a memory recovery service. It was uh, an amazing experience and, and still goes on to be this stuff that sometimes comes up and you think, oh my God, I haven't thought about that for years and years or I've forgotten all about that and it just pops back into your head that might never have happened had not done the, uh, the homework for life. Right. And I, I tend to think that when that happens to us, we start to feel better about our lives because I think a lot of times we look back on our lives and if we don't see much, you know, and if we don't remember much, we start to doubt how we've spent our days. And so the more you can sort of fill in, the more memories that return to you, the more you realize the things you've done and the places you've gone and the, the paths that you've trekked. And I just think that all of that is so helpful to people. It's been so helpful to me. And to be able to turn to my wife and say, do you know what I did when I was 14 that I didn't think about until just now? And I don't know if this has happened to you, but some of the most ridiculous things that I forgot have returned to me. Things like I thought, I can't believe I forgot I did that. And suddenly it's back with you. Yeah. I think there's a few times, I used to be a flags attendant and there's a few times I've remembered the memories have come back of people asking me for drinks on a flight that I'd forgotten to overtake to them. So I don't know if that's helpful or not. <laughs> but it's, a, it's recovered memories, that's for sure. Yes. 
Well, that's great. Um, now, I know I, I could very happily talk to your day, and I know you said you've got some time, but I, I don't want to be too greedy with this as well. But I do want to ask how, how things have been for you with, with all the stuff that's been going on recently. Uh, have you just been diving into writing and stories, or have you been able to pretty much continue as normal? Well, I'll tell you, the first thing I noticed was I actually have more stories from the pandemic, you know, my quarantine. I thought I would have less because it was less, um, there was less variance in my life. You know, we really sort of hunkered down for a long period of time. But I started riding my bike. I couldn't go to the gym anymore, so I pulled the bike out. I hadn't ridden it in 20 years probably, and now I ride every day 15 miles. And the number of moments I've had just on my bike alone, you know, noticing things, I've just become more attuned. And I've heard that from a lot of the people who do homework for life, that oddly the pandemic is now generating more stories for them than they've ever imagined. I've started telling stories virtually, and my wife and I are producing virtual shows. I didn't think I would like it at all. I thought it would be terrible. It's not as good as real in-person on a stage in front of an audience, but it's not bad. And people really appreciate it. I think they need it now. Yeah. Uh, all of my workshops initially dried up too. They all disappeared. And so I turned to writing, you know, I, I turned to, to a lot of books that I'm working on, but very quickly people came back and said, we want to, we want to have our workshops. Can we do them online? And again, I thought it was going to be terrible. I thought, Oh, do you really want to stare at me on a computer? But uh, I've been doing that. I mean, I did it last night. There's been some like beautiful silver linings. The last workshop I did, uh, I do workshops with six people at a time. One of the versions of workshops I do, six people at a time. And they were from Singapore and Seattle and Chicago, like all over the world, which people I would have never met had we not had this happen. I taught an all-day workshop that had people from nine different countries and 37 of the 50 states. You know, I had a guy in Dubai who fell asleep on me because it was 3 a.m. where he was. Right. Uh, but there's been some wonderful things in terms of that. You know, it's not great. I would much prefer to be in the company of human beings. But I've been busy. Storytelling is continuing and it's marching forward. And The Moth is online now. They're, they actually have competitions, story slams that people can compete in. So if you have been a person who's never been able to see a moth show or compete in one because there's nothing in your area, now you can, you know, I'm going to be competing in the North Carolina story slam coming up just because I can and it fits on the night that I happen to be free. So it's not all bad, but I look forward to the day when we can get back together and we can do things in person because that is the best way to do it. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be checking that out. And one of the things that I, I've been inspired to do from reading your book, which I, I shared with you when I first contacted you, is that I've been putting together a, a storytelling workshop for my Toastmasters Club, which I'll be delivering. Well, I haven't quite set a date for it yet, but that's going to come out soon. And from there, we're going to, probably a bit later in the year, have our own storytelling event when we can do things live and in person again, hopefully. And uh, I'm really looking forward to that. But in the meantime, I can get some practice in, hopefully, uh, trying yes. it out online. That sounds really yeah. good. It's not terrible. I really enjoyed it. It's just, it's just not as good as being in person, but it's, it's yeah. pretty good. My cats stare at me a lot while I'm teaching now. Uh, <laughs> I'm shocked that my children have not interrupted us at some point. Uh, so those things happen, but otherwise it's pretty good. Yeah, your cats are all still wondering why the humans are still at home, right? <laughs> yeah, well, they're very happy about it. They're, they're thrilled that we are home all the time. And I mean, my wife and I have been fortunate. We're teachers and we were able to continue teaching online, which again was not even close to being as good as in person. But uh, we've been very fortunate. You know, it's been, a, it's been a really difficult and challenging time for us, but not nearly so uh, compared to lots of people who I know who are suffering um, 
much harder circumstances than we are. So we feel blessed. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I would always encourage anyone to check out your Storyworthy book. You mentioned you're working on a new book. Uh, do you have any clues when that's going to be ready for release? Well, we just pitched it to the editor. So, um, you know, I we pitched two nonfiction books, the one on productivity, which is uh, close to being sort of ready. And then I've been furiously writing the new storytelling book. So, I mean, it's the way books work, it's probably going to be a year at least before they come out. But um, I'm excited about them. You know, there's been a big demand for another storytelling book. And the thing, when I look at Storyworthy now, there's so much content that I have learned, so many strategies and, and tricks of the trade that are not in that book. And then there's whole chapters that I dropped out of that book because of the length of the book. It can only be so long. And a couple of those chapters are just killing me that they don't exist right now because I'm constantly referring to things. I'm talking about the structure of stories. I had a whole chapter on the structure of stories. And I said, ah, that'll be the chapter I drop. And all the time I'm talking about it now. And I'm thinking, you know, if I just could tell people to go to chapter 15, that would be much easier than me, you know, having to to do this heavy lifting with them all the time. So uh, I'm looking forward to it coming out because there's a lot of stuff I want to share with folks. Great. If you want any advanced readers to check stuff over, I'm more than happy to volunteer myself. I appreciate it. I use advanced readers all the time. I have four storytellers right now reading the new book, um, four people who I know really well, and they really like it. You know, my hope is, I always tell people that Storyworthy is for everyone, including the non-storyteller, but there is some genuine craft. Like, I really do get sort of down into the, you know, down into the nitty gritty with storytelling. This next book is genuinely going to be for anyone. Uh, even people who aren't storytellers are going to find the value in um, the idea that not only do we tell stories to other people, but we first tell stories to ourselves. Yeah. You know, every story that I eventually tell to you, I've first told to myself. And people don't do that. People who are not storytellers are not telling stories to themselves. And I think that when we can really craft our lives and sort of frame them in ways that are more positive for ourselves, our souls, I think that really helps you as a person. So even if, like I say, even if you're a mute and can't speak and, and you're afraid of people and you, you live in a cave and never want to leave it, you can still become a storyteller and find enormous value in it. And that's what I'm hoping people get from this book, as well as the craft I'm slipping in uh, that I know people are going to want as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sure a lot of the listeners and people watching are going to want to find out more about you and your books. And what's the best way for them to do that or to connect with you? Sure. I think we're getting cat interference here, right? Right. The cat is not here. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, you can find me at matthewdix.com. That's my website. Uh, my wife and I do a storytelling podcast called Speak Up Storytelling, and that's very helpful for people. We take a, we take a story a week that we've had uh, performed live in one of our shows, and we break that story down. We talk about what's working and what's not working. Uh, there's also a Homework for Life segment on that podcast every week where I take a moment from my week, from my Homework for Life, and I talk about how it might be a story or might be part of a story someday so that people can start to see what I'm recording, and then how what we record can be useful in terms of storytelling. So that's um, a very popular way for people to sort of connect with us and learn more yeah. about storytelling. But uh, you can find all of it. All of it's at matthewdix.com. Excellent. Well, I'll definitely put links in the in the show notes for every way to contact you. I feel like I've been missing out by not having. I didn't realize you had a podcast until today, and uh, I haven't been oh. subscribed to it. So I'm going to be making up for lost time. <laughs> we <laughs> have. Um, we're coming up on our hundredth episode, so. Um, it's been a lot of fun and you know, it's, it's really been wonderful cause I do it with my wife 
And um, we get emails from people who tell us they listen with their spouse because they like to hear the relationship that my wife and I have, because we don't always agree on the podcast. Right. And apparently some people have a hard time disagreeing with their spouse in a polite and productive way. And somehow Alicia and I have just figured out a way to do that in our relationship. Uh, but it's been, it's been really, really great. There's also episodes where I take my own stories and I just basically play my story and stop it whenever I want to point out a piece of craft that I've done. Like, oh, here's what I was thinking when I put this together. Uh, I'll even point out mistakes. You know, I'll say, here's a story, but there's one giant stupid decision I made in the middle of it, and I'll point out the stupid decision and why it's stupid. So those are very popular too, where I sort of just deconstruct my own stories. Yeah. One thing I always like to ask my guests is that I'm a big reader. I like reading and listening to audiobooks all the time. And so it's always nice to get a book recommendation, whether that's about storytelling or just a book that you think people should read because you, you love it or they're going to learn so much. What would your book recommendation be? I think the book I recommend the most, at least in terms of nonfiction, is a book called Made to Stick. Oh, I'm sorry. And, it's and on Chip Heath, right? Yes, exactly. Uh, it's a brilliant book. It is essentially a book that teaches you why people remember things that you say. It's, if you're a teacher, it's the best book on teaching I've ever read in my life. If you're a storyteller or a writer, it's probably the best book you're going to read in terms of capturing attention, getting people to engage with you, all of those types of things. And then if you're just a human being, whoever wants to like, I don't know, convince your wife about the right way to fold pants, Chip and Dan Heath's book will be helpful to you. So I have it both in um, hard copy and audiobook. I listen to it every summer before my teaching year begins. And I give it out all the time to people. I think it's just brilliant. Excellent. Any closing words for our future storytellers out there? Well, I, the thing I always like to remind people is the first quality you have to have as a storyteller is to be a listener. And so often in life, I hear people rushing through stories or that look on their face like they wanted to tell a story, but they don't feel like they're going to be listened to. Uh, I think that too often in life, too many people want to talk and not enough people want to listen. And so in every circumstance that I'm in, a dinner party, a meeting, wherever I am, I always intentionally try to be the last person to speak. Um, part of it is also I'm a white American man. I am, I am straight and I am not physically disabled and I do not suffer from mental illness. I am the most privileged person that has ever existed on the planet. I have no reason to ever be discriminated against in any way and I recognize all those things. So I want to afford space and time for everyone but me to have their say. But I think in terms of storytelling, so much of what I've learned is from being a good listener, by being willing to shut my mouth for as long as possible and listen to what other people have to say and listen to the way they say it and sort of the, the craft that they may be using intentionally or unintentionally to say the things that they want to say. So I think the first thing you have to do is to be a listener and to open up space. And the phrase I say all the time to people is I hear the hint of a story and I say to that person, please tell me that story. And I, I just, I hear so many beautiful stories and I learn so many interesting things about people. At work, at school where I teach, I'm often telling people things like, did you know that Monica learned English by working a McDonald's drive-thru? And, you know, all of my colleagues say, no, how do you know that? And I say, well, one day I was on recess duty with Monica 
And I heard her talking a little bit about immigrating to America. And I said, really, tell me that story. And if you just say, tell me that story, you're going to learn things about people that you never would have learned already. You'll find beautiful stories and you'll become a better storyteller. So be a good listener. Um, open up space and try to be the last person who speaks. It really will help you. I, I love that. This whole conversation has been fantastic. You're going to find something from me in your inbox at some point when your next book's out, because I'm going to want to speak to you again, I'm sure. But I would uh, be happy to do so. Oh, that's wonderful. You've been so generous with your time and your information today. So thank you so much. You've been one of my favorite ever guests. And I'm so thrilled that you agreed to be on the show. Thank you, Matthew, for coming on this week's podcast. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you've enjoyed the show. If you did, please make sure you like and subscribe. If you hit that bell icon, you'll get updated for all future episodes and for daily videos from me as well. Please do tune in next week. We'll have more great guests and information coming up for you as well. If you'd like to get in touch, if you think you'd be a great guest or you know someone who would, or you've just got some feedback that could help to improve the show, then please shoot me an email, john at presentinfluence.com. You can connect with me on my website, presentinfluence.com, or come and find me on LinkedIn. I look forward to hearing from you. See you again next time.